Well, beginning a, a few weeks ago and continuing till uh, just after uh, Labor Day, uh, kids of all ages are heading uh, back to school. It's a great, exciting uh, time of year, and I certainly remember many, many decades ago going uh, back to school, new classes, new teachers, uh, new books. Uh, what's interesting now is there are no books in school. It's all done online, no textbooks. Um, but uh, I find that pretty interesting. The other night, uh, we were, my wife and I, Regina, were at Aspen High School for back-to-school night, and it was a great event and a terrific reminder just how blessed we are to have the schools we have uh, here in this area. At one point in the evening, though, I thought not only about our son Peter, but I thought of the countless kids that are going back to school and will be engaged in sports of all kinds. And I immediately remembered my own athletic endeavors, and in particular, I remember one of my coaches from years and years and years and years ago. He would often say to us, you know, if you don't have the fundamentals down, you will not succeed either as, as an individual or as a team. We've got to practice, review, practice, review, practice, review, practice, review the fundamentals over and over and over and over and over and over again. And as I thought about that, this idea of knowing and reviewing and acting upon the, the fundamentals not only applies to sports teams, but really, if you think about it, to everything in life. For a business to succeed, systems and practices and procedures for all kinds of things better be in place. Try fly fishing without knowing how to cast properly. Try playing golf or tennis or skiing down a mountain without solid fundamentals. Think of economic systems with weak fundamentals or marriages in which the foundation is neither clear or solid. Solid foundations and well-practiced fundamentals are essential in just about anything in life. And the same, I believe, can be said about our Christian faith. See, I've come to believe that if we want to be faithful, if we want to have a meaningful, life-impacting walk with Christ, if we want to live in a way that reflects Jesus whom we follow, it's important, I believe, to review the fundamentals of our chosen journey. And so for just a few moments this morning, I thought it would be interesting just to kind of review some of the basic fundamentals of our faith and then add something from our reading today. Many of us here today have heard about everything I'm going to talk about, and yet, as I think about this, I believe, like an athlete, reviewing the basics over and over and over and over again helps keep us on track in our faith journey. So this morning, let's join the millions of students everywhere going back to school, and for just a few moments, take a look at what is at the foundation of our Christian faith and walk. First and foremost, Jesus and Paul, as a result of his relationship with Jesus, understood something very fundamental, something that we talk about here at the chapel all the time. And Jesus understood and Paul understood also that really when you get right down to it, there's a four-letter word that describes our faith journey with Jesus, and that is love. That ultimately, in our journey with Christ, all that matters is love when it's all said and done. Not right thinking, not right speaking, not right confessing. Instead, Jesus said the entire thing is about love. It was his fundamental and foundational point. If something is not about love, it's not about God. And if love is not at the core, what surrounds that core is not about God. 
Love is the whole nine yards, and we need, I believe, to remind ourselves of this, not just once in a while, but every single day. Because we live, and we are living in a time in which love is not always evidenced in our culture, and in fact, not often demonstrated by a lot of very judgmental Christians. Paul said, in essence, you know, if I'm the best speaker in the world, if I'm the most awesome human being around, if I can move a mountain, if, if I'm the most amazing martyr, if I, if I give away everything to the poor, if I, if I impact tons of people, if I'm really successful, if the essence of who I am is not about love, Paul writes, I am nothing, nada, zero. He said, if I'm not about love, I'm like a knowing, clanging symbol. He said, love is greater than hope. Love is greater than faith itself. Well, aside from the fundamental of love, there is another foundation to our faith, and that is that human beings are really quite astonishing, aren't they? Think of what people have done over the centuries in a limitless number of areas from arts to the sciences to sports to music to engineering and design to movies and books to physics and astronomy and on and on and on and on and on. Think of all the great amazing people in history. Think of those who have led right, those who have loved right, those who have had the courage to express what was right. Think of the leaders that got nations through brutal times and of faith leaders who helped humankind to self-reflect and change course. Human beings are an amazing creation, and you and I are created wonderfully by God. But, with this in mind, let us not forget that a central feature of who we are as people is imperfection. We make mistakes, we get off track, all of us. We can become self-centered, self-serving, and frankly, sometimes we just blow it. And it's important to point out that if this was not the case, if we were imperfect, we certainly would not need God. And so I, for one, am glad we're far from perfect and glad there is no such thing as human perfection. I believe we can even say it is our imperfection that makes life interesting, sometimes extraordinarily painful and other times, quite funny. And imperfection, if we embrace it, breeds empathy, humility, and compassion. And the point of this is not to say that we are rotten and bad, but rather that we are forgiven. In some mysterious, far beyond comprehension way, Jesus' death on the cross puts us in the permanent place of being forgiven. And here's the key. Forgiveness is not forgiveness with God is not something we have to achieve. Rather it's something we are invited by God to receive. And there's a big difference between achieving something and receiving something <coughs> as a gift. God's forgiveness just is and God invites us to live every day knowing we are forgiven and living with gratitude day in and day out as a result. Said another way, because of Jesus, we are good with God, and God is good with us. We are forgiven 
period, no ifs, ands, or buts. The word for this is grace. Well, aside from love and forgiveness and grace, another foundation of our faith is that God resides within each and every human being, no exceptions. God resides within each and every human being, no exceptions. Meaning every human being on this planet, whether or not they are aware of it, is a bearer of the sacred. It means that there is no place where God is not. Jesus said his spirit resides within us, the spirit of God, and that his spirit is our guide, our comforter, and our advocate, and that we will never be abandoned by God even if we feel we have been. And listen to these words on this point from David who wrote this in a psalm. God, I am an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I am thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know what I'm going to say before I say my first sentence. I look behind me and you are there. I look ahead and you are there. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit? If I climb to the sky, you are there. If I go underground, you are there. If I flew on the morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute and you were already waiting. Fundamental to our Christian faith is that God's spirit is within us. God's spirit is within every human being and there is no place where God is not. And if only that truth could affect how we respond to every human being we encounter, no matter how similar or different than we are. Well, aside from God's love and forgiveness and grace and presence within, there's another fundamental to our faith. The great Archbishop Desmond Tutu of South Africa in his, what is known as his Ubuntu theology, said God is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In other words, Tutu writes, God's essence within God is a relationship. And as we are made in God's image, we are made and created by God for relationships. Central to our Christian faith is the notion that we are meant to be interdependent. Independence and the concept of independence is antithetical to the core of Christianity. Instead, fully interdependent relationships with each other and utter dependence upon God is what we are made for. Now, this is not just a Christian notion, it's an ancient Jewish notion as well. If you go back to ancient Israel, the idea of a person living as an independent human being was a foreign concept. Instead, ancient Jews believed, I can only know about me by knowing about you. And you can only know about you by knowing about me. I am me because of you, and you are you because of me. One's identity in ancient Israel was defined in the context of community. I am who I am because of community. Ancient Jews would have found the idea of defining oneself on one's own to be horrifying. Their entire way of thinking was based upon interdependence and communal self-definition. 
And Jesus, as a Jew, understood this, and he framed his teachings with this basic understanding. Paul understood this when he viewed and wrote about human beings as being interdependent body parts with no part being more important than another. We were made for each other, to be with each other, and to be interdependent upon each other, not independent, interdependent. And there's a vast difference. To have not a definition of self that comes from me, but a definition of self that comes from we. Mother Teresa wrote a lot about independence in Western culture. One day she wrote, loneliness is the most terrible poverty of the West. So foundational to our walk with Jesus is our call to foster interdependence through our words and our actions, to think and act and define oneself communally within the body of Christ. This is why Paul wrote, when one person hurts, we all hurt. When one person flourishes, we all celebrate. Well, aside from love, forgiveness, grace, God's presence, and communal interdependence is the fundamental notion that we were created by God and been given gifts by God. Every one of us has gifts, extraordinary gifts, whether or not we are aware of them. And God has given us gifts to use selflessly in the context of community. Jesus, if you read about his healings, often healed people by helping them get in touch with what they were called and gifted to do. He healed people by helping people understand who they were meant to be and created to be. And so a fundamental is we all have our gifts, and I've done preaching series on gifts. And just one more I want to get to before our reading real quickly, and that is that fundamental to our faith, and you've heard me say this before, is that we are Easter people living in a Good Friday world. Easter has the last word, not the realities of our pains, hurts, struggles, and failures in the world. Resurrection and eternal life is where we are headed, not torment and death. Life, not death, has the final say. Jesus was bodily raised from the dead, meaning we have nothing to fear. Reuniting with those who have gone before will happen, and hope can fill our days, not despair. Life wins in the end because Jesus' love on the cross won. So just think about these foundations of our faith. Love is what matters. We are forgiven and don't have to do anything except to receive it. God is present. We are bearers of the sacred. There is nowhere where God is not. We are meant to be interdependent and communally defined. We are made by God and been given extraordinary gifts an Eastern eternal life is ahead. Now, while there are other fundamentals, healing, prayer, etc., I want to spend my last few moments looking briefly at our reading today because there is one more fundamental that comes within it. Jesus was teaching in our reading. Some people there were going back to school. How I wish I could have been there in person to take his class. Anyway, Jesus is teaching on the Sabbath day. And recall that the Sabbath runs from sundown Friday until Saturday evening. So Jesus may have been teaching Friday evening, more likely perhaps on a Saturday. A woman who was disabled was present. She had suffered for over 18 years. 
And Jesus placed his hands upon her, and immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. In response, the religious leaders, the faithful, were furious. They strictly and literally adhered to a rule that said no work should be done during the Sabbath. But Jesus reminds them that there is another law that says to help your neighbor's donkey if it's in distress. Jesus said, if it's okay to take care of an animal and its needs during the Sabbath, why is it not okay to help a hurting human being regardless of what day of the week it is? Jesus is not happy about the stance of the leaders. Yes, they know scripture. They know it in and out. They can recite chapter and verse. Yes, they know the rules of their faith. They know the rules of their tradition. Yes, they understand that worship and the Sabbath is important. But their hearts are not in the right place. In the story, they allow for something other than love to take precedence over what love would have one do. To make the woman wait a day for healing may have been legally and scripturally correct, but it was not right by the standard of love. And this is why Jesus called them hypocrites. And if you look at Jesus' life over and over and over and over again, he challenged people by saying, look at your heart. Where's your heart? I know what you know, but where's your heart? So all this leads to the final fundamental that I'm touching on today, and that is our hearts. Where are our hearts is of fundamental and central importance to following Jesus. Are they in the right place? Do they sometimes get in the wrong place? Mine does. Are they such that love will matter more than anything, despite the consequences? In scripture, one person notes the heart refers to the seat and center of the human life. It is the center of personality and it controls the intellect, emotions, and will. And I love what this person writes. The heart is the air traffic control center of who we are. And the word for heart in the New Testament is the Greek word cardia. And Jesus used it all the time. He said, where your treasure is, there your cardia will be. Your words, what you say, reflects your cardia, your air traffic control center. People honor me by what they say, but what they really feel is far from me. I grieve at hardness of cardia, Jesus said. Blessed are the pure of heart. Love with all your heart. And Paul wrote about the heart all over the place. So where are our hearts today? Well, there's a lot to our Christian faith, isn't there? But it's my hope that by some of what we've talked about, that we can think about some of these things. But I've come to believe, as I've reviewed all these fundamentals, that there's one thing that God wants more than anything else from each of us. And that is he wants our hearts. He wants you and me to be fully in. And God's motive is not to control us, but rather to love us. 
You see, God seeks our hearts because God offers all of his heart to each of us. And God's motive is to infuse us with his unbounded, healing, forgiven, forgiving, sustaining, transforming, and life-altering love. So I close, and I invite us to ponder the fundamentals of why we show up every week. Fundamentals like love, forgiveness, grace, God's presence, communal interdependence and definition, the gifts God has given us, Easter. And as we do so, let's spend a few moments now in silent prayer with God, asking God to help us again this day to give God our hearts so that our hearts can become more and more like God's. And so let us pray and let us be silent for a few moments, asking God to shape our hearts and asking God to help us give God our hearts once again. <laughs>